Let me just congratulate you on your choice of sexual activity because, sweetie, the world is not ready for you to reproduce. Bloody Mary. <laughs> she was trying to summon the dead Damon, not frat boys with badly grown facial hair. The babysitter and the man upstairs is what we call an urban legend. Tonight's the 25th anniversary the Stanley Hall Massacre. I told you that story is not true. Are you sure? It appears to be a tragic suicide. No, Tosh didn't kill herself. There was someone else in that room. I mean, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights for Christ's sake? A very morbid suicide note. I guess you could say I'm a little nutty. Why? 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 Look for you, Miss Fang. I've got a visual aid. Hi, this is Laura Park Lincoln from Friday the 13th, Part 7, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, episode 174, and this time we're off to Pendleton College uh, for a little urban legend. Uh, So the much maligned at the time, um, uh, 1998 slasher, post-scream slasher, um, which is now, of course, 20 years old. So ripe for rediscovery, I we reckon. So uh, this was your choice, Joseph, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay, so I think we're looking forward to uh, dissecting Urban Legend in a little bit. But um, how are you doing, Joseph? Are you okay? Yeah, there's nothing I can do. Total eclipse of a fart. <laughs> Keeping it classy. Oh, <laughs> well, Eric, how it's about raining you? here, so I'm very happy. Sorry. Okay. Eric. Anyway, Eric. Yeah, Eric. It's sunny, so I'm very happy. Um, yeah, mm. I'm doing good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's good. It's sunny here as well at the moment. Uh, and Nathan, is it sunny in you? Not in you. Where, with you? Is it sunny in you? No, Maybe well, it's sunny in so you. So you know, I live in the same area as um, just uh, Joseph. I so do, I do. That, but that would mean it would be rainy, Miss Thang. <laughs> Not necessarily. Um, it depends how far away you are. Because I've have you ever ever stood um, and seen rain up close, but it's not raining where you are. Yes. Yes. That happened to me recently, and it was such a weird phenomenon. Mm. Phenomenon or phenomena? I don't know, but it was really weird, and it was really cool too at the same time. Are you sure that wasn't an urban legend? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Uh, because no. it happened to me. Okay. If it was an urban legend, I'd say it happened to my friends, cousins, <laughs> aunts, uncle. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, glad to be back. Um, we are, well, we're back on track. We've got lots and lots planned for the uh, over the next month. Uh, more commentaries. Um and uh yeah lots of things planned so and we'll let you know what they are when we can um but there's a lot more from the hysteria continues coming along so well let's talk about what we've seen recently although i know we recorded um last weekend so i haven't actually seen anything particularly of note uh but i know you guys have caught up with the halloween uh, the new Halloween, haven't you? I know Eric had seen it last time we spoke, but um, I think it's just been released, and I'm I'm mulling over whether or not to go and see it in Spanish, or wait until it, I can see a decent English language uh, version. But Joseph and Nathan, um, do you want to talk a little bit about what your thoughts were on the uh, the Halloween, uh, the new Halloween? Uh, 
I'll let Nathan go first. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I, I liked the new Halloween. Um, I feel like I fall in line with Eric on that. I think I prefer the original sequel, uh, part two, because uh, part two, aside from the brother-sister thing, which is a bit silly, um, I love the movie. I think it's just really good. It's still very fun. Um, and this new Halloween, it, it's got moments where it's really fun, especially like the babysitting scenes with that little kid, because like Eric, I think that kid was hilarious, and I loved his banter with his babysitter, and I liked her. I mean, she was probably one of my favorite characters in the movie, too, because she just seemed like a fun teenager who, you know, wasn't dour, where as a lot of the other characters, you know, like Lori herself, I mean, I, I understand why, but she's just, she is very dour. I mean, she seems very um, sad and... Uh, it's kind of a shame to see Lori that way. Um, I mean, I could kind of understand it because she did survive a massacre and, well, you know, I mean, all her friends died, so that's that'd be rough, and she almost died. Um, but I felt like um, the slasher part of this film was almost secondary, um, and it felt more like... Um, um, it felt very much kind of like a, a drama to me uh, when the slasher stuff wasn't on screen because, you know, Lori had her family drama and um, she they, they mentioned that she's had, you know, two divorces. Um, I can only hope one of those was Ben Tramer, though. Fingers crossed. Because <laughs> um, as we know, he's alive in this timeline. Um, but, I mean, overall, I really did enjoy it. But, like I said, I... I I, I kind of felt. I mean, it, the movie's very hopped. It's it's very hopped up. So you really, really gotta ignore that if you go in to see it. Um, and, and I did. And like I said, I, I liked it. It's probably my favorite after part two, but I, I still have a few reservations with it. So um, probably for me, I'd probably give it. Um, I'd say a seven out of ten. Um, so, I mean, it's still a recommendation for me cause I still really liked it, but overall I felt there was a few things I might've done different. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you, uh, Nathan. Um, uh, Joseph, I believe that you've got even more reservations about the film. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of the Halloween franchise. You know, I love the first two films. Don't get me wrong. So I don't have that kind of, uh, that, Oh, Michael is back. Uh, you know, affection that a lot of people have lately, but, uh, Saying that, I thought Halloween 2018, you know, was decent, but it's not what I'd call great or even good. I mean, it has some really, uh, you know, spectacular cinematography, and the uh, obviously the score is superb um, because Carpenter was involved there with his son, I believe. But um, I don't know, the original film or original films, uh, they kind of felt like just, it's hard to explain, like natural and subtle, but this one just... You know, thankfully they don't they don't go the uh, the white trash kind of flea circus route of Rob Zombie's film, but it just feels kind of like like a cog in a big machine that's eager to make some money. I mean, it goes out of its way to drum up you know lots and lots of contrivances to make sure you know character A or character B is at point A or point B at a specific time, and it just feels kind of it just feels kind of you know mechanical almost. Uh, the suspense is good in places, but it's you know. I think it's kind of undermined by this kind of need to retread over, uh, you know, familiar uh, beats that were done better 40 years ago. 
you know, I could probably say it's the best Halloween sequel since Halloween two, but, um, seeing as I'm, I was never really a big Halloween fanboy. That's kind of faint phrase. If I'm honest, um, I don't know, this film really kind of, it nearly lost me with this, with a uh, one plot twist, which I won't go into, but, uh, I think the, uh, the showdown with Laurie and Michael kind of saves it, but you know, kind of just barely for me. I mean, it's a marginal thumbs up, but I, I, I really have no desire to ever see the film again, if I'm honest. Okay. Uh, Eric, has, has your opinion changed at all since you saw no, it? No, not at all. I mean, no. uh, one thing that I pick up on what Nathan said is that Nathan said he felt it was bit, there was a lot of drama in the film. I was expecting a lot more drama from the way Jamie Lee Curtis was promoting the film in advance. Like, she kept on going on about how the film is about trauma and it's about this traumatised character and how she copes with it 40 years on. So I was expecting less of a slasher movie than I got because I thought it was quite a, once it got going, a very straight-ahead, by-the-numbers slasher movie, which is exactly what I wanted. But I can understand that people mightn't necessarily want that. It does kind of rehash lots of scenes from Halloween 1, 2, and even there's a nod to Halloween 3, believe it or not, in there as well. They're just basically just kids walking around the streets wearing the, the three masks from that film. Um, but no, I still, I'm, like, I can't wait for it to come out in Blu-ray because I want to watch it again. I really liked it. But now I am a kind of a Halloween fanboy. Apart from Halloween 4, which I really don't like, and the Rob Zombie movies, uh, I kind of, you know, there's parts in all of the sequels that I do like. So uh, I would be on board with Halloween. And, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping that it does the box office business that they're anticipating. We're recording this the Saturday morning after it uh, opened. So hopefully it's going to do gangbusters at the box office because I don't want well, to see yeah. More slashers, and I'd love it if the Friday the Thirteenth could sort their act out with the legal business, because I'd love to see them reboot that in a more traditional way, as they've done here with Halloween. Yeah, they it did um, seven million on its opening night, and they're 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 calling for about seventy million, which I think the budget's like ten, maybe fifteen, which uh, you yeah, know fourteen million is the budget. Yeah, if it if it does hit its target, it's going to be the second biggest October opening. Um, Behind Venom, which opened this month as well, so it'd be the second yeah. record. If it does hit seventy, I think that would probably be the uh, highest-grossing slasher film. I mean, opening weekend. I can't think of anything that opened yeah. higher. Yeah. Mm, unless Scream Two or something did, or no, Scream Two did like forty or fifty, I think. But I don't think it hit seventy. But um, yeah. Okay. So diversion. I think, I think it will usher in some new slasher films. I'm 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 kind of surprised that you didn't like it as much as I because I thought it would be a shoe in for us all to at least enjoy. I know we'd probably no, enjoy. I, I enjoyed it. I just I I don't think it's as good as you know the hype. Mm. Uh, two my another two problems I have with the film is I don't think Jamie Lee Curtis is in it enough. That's the thing. Uh, that's, I, well, particularly yeah. in the first hour, she's hardly in it at all, really. Yeah, that's one problem, and I think the the fall atmosphere here kind of feels artificial. Where in the original film, I mean, it just. It lived and breathed the fall weather, and here it just kind of felt manufactured. Oh, it was filmed in California in the spring. Yeah, mm, that's why. Um, no, no, but the original was filmed in California in the spring, and I still managed to have that wonderful autumnal feel. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I take that on board. And I do agree that Jamie Lee Curtis is, is underused in that first half. I was I was kind of surprised at that, going, God, there's so little Laurie in this. But then, as Nathan was saying, her character is so downbeat and depressed that it's it's more fun kind of to watch the kids and that in the in the opening half. Mm. Well, it's kind of, I've seen, from what I've seen online, there seems to be a little bit of a Marmite movie, which... Uh, for listeners in the States and other places than the UK or Ireland is that Marmite's a kind of, if you don't know, it's a kind of yeast-based spread that people either love or hate. Uh, so Like marmalade? 
No, no, no marmalade's sweet. Marmite's, um, it's, I love marmite. Do you like marmite, Eric? I do. Oh, that's good. I do. We both like marmite. It's, um, it's a salty yeast spread, which is kind of very, um, mm. it's, it's, I love it, but um, a lot of people, I know people, uh, I've had um, people when they come over from the States and from other places to try it, and they're, you know, I think if you, look, if you Google um, people from outside the UK eat, eating marmite for the first time on YouTube, I'm sure there'd be videos. <laughs> I love we're talking about Marmite. <laughs> but going back to the film, I think it seems that some people I've seen uh, that I friends on Facebook have seen it and really hate it. Some have loved it. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But I'm going to res- obviously reserve judgment until I've seen it myself. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've had reservations about the direction it was going in the first place because, I, you know, I... I I, you know, I, I I didn't like the idea that they kind of did away with the supernatural element. Although it kind of sounds from what I'm, you know, that from what people have been saying that Michael Myers, as you would imagine, still takes a lot of punishment and gets up again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of yeah. And as, mm. as I was saying last week, he has this kind of super strength that he didn't have in the original. So he's more Jason like than than Michael like, which, which is, was mm, which is yeah. strange, that isn't one, it? Because um, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of plot turn though, Eric. Yeah. There is a plot. Oh, it's so stupid and unnecessary. And yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Has he not been working out in prison then? Is that what the plot twist is? He's really ripped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For like a 75 year old Jew, dude, or whatever. How old is he supposed to be? Did you say Jew? Dude. No, he's, he's, what, he was, uh, he was, what, 21 in 1978? So 61. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Arnie still gets away with it, doesn't he? So. So, okay, well, yeah, well, ne- hopefully next time uh, we record, I might have seen the film, but uh, I might be trying to work out exactly. I probably won't even be able to tell what the plot twist is if it's in Spanish, but who knows? I'll see. I- I'm sure I'll get to see it, and I think I, I deserve to see it. Uh, well, it deserves to be seen on the big screen, so I could try as I can. I don't think it's opened here yet, but um, I'll keep a lookout. But apart from that, have we seen anything else of note since we recorded last week? Not me. No. Eric? Uh, I saw Mandy. I've been to the cinema oh. twice in a fortnight, which is probably the most I've been to the cinema this year, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it opened here, and it's, it's playing to sell out crowds, which I find unusual for a film that's, um, you know, borderline art house and exploitation. Um, so it's everything I expected it would be after your description, I think, two, on two episodes ago, uh, Justin, mm. when you compared it to something like Neon Demon, which is a good comparison. I also saw elements of Antichrist, the Lars von Trier film in there, um, mm. particularly in that first half where there's all that stylized slow motion. Um, and then The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, it had that type of vibe as well, although far more linear. Um, it's not as abstract as that movie because uh, this one does actually have a plot. It's a, it's a bare bones plot, but it does have a plot. Um and if you've seen the poster, uh, you'll know that it's kind of a gaudy neon pink color. And that's the sort of dominant color you get throughout the film. It has this kind of psychedelic feel. Um, the first half I found very art house. And then it takes a turn. And the second house is very um, art house stroke grindhouse. Um, it, it sort of it flits between the two. It has the most amazing score by Johan Johansson, who sadly died earlier this year. Um, but the score is, is stunning in it, and it's visually stunning. Nicolas Cage is absolutely wild, and it's really over the top at times. I thought almost that he was going for a comedic performance in places. Um, my own, I, I did really enjoy it. My problem was that I found it a bit overlong. It was It's two hours, and 
the, the, the core script is very scant. There's not a lot to it. Uh, and it could have been told in 90 minutes. Uh, I know it, it sort of takes its time to, to you know, wallow in its stunning visuals. But, um, yeah, I could have done with it being 90 minutes. I was saying about Halloween was 105. And I felt, personally, it, it skimmed by in 60 minutes, it felt like. Whereas this one did feel like a, a not a slog, but it, it just it felt like, you know, I would have enjoyed that much more if it had been half an hour shorter. Because there, there's, there was no story there really to tell to justify two hours, I thought. But overall, incredible visual and oral ex- oral whatever <laughs> however, not, not oral oh, Eric. No, no, no oral experience. an oral experience oral well, we've all had sex. one of those Eric, Eric I'm sure oral sex. Uh, no I did really enjoy it yes yeah. excellent okay um, well fantastic I'd say I could, you know, liked, I would love to have seen it on the big screen um, have you guys uh, Joseph and Nathan you seen it yet no I have the movie I just have not watched it yet okay. I haven't either okay and talking of new movies, I've got a friend of mine on Facebook who went to the kind of the London premiere. I think it was a special screening of the new Suspiria. And okay. the emoji, well, the only thing he wrote, he said he wouldn't spoil it, but the emoji was um, laughing. And I said, Suspiria shouldn't be funny. And he just did a, um, he just made a pie chart. I don't, I don't think it's, I think it, it sounds like it's um, it kind of possibly like a Mandy type movie. Uh, sort of, so it's it sounds like it's going to be very different from Suspiria, which I haven't got a problem with. But uh, I think he said he didn't really understand. It's so different from Suspiria in a lot of ways. He thinks that, I don't know why they didn't just take the um, some of the central premises and things and just make a new movie. Um, That's what um, Darius was saying as well. Yeah, and yeah. It's two and a half hours as well. The film. Well, exactly. I think it's um, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I'm. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't think. I think it, it's. It sounds like it's just going to be um, uh, strange for strange sake, and not. You know, it apparently goes into real body horror towards the end of it, and all this kind of thing, which is. It's just a very different film from Suspiria, and you just again you just have to wonder why. You know, what's you don't want a slavish remake, but you want something that's kind of. You want something that kind of sits in between, something that kind of satisfies. If or you just have to wonder why they bother make doing a remake in the first place if they're going to do a completely different film. But um, but anyway, so that's that's upcoming. Anything anything else, uh, Nathan? Have you seen anything else? No, no. And Joseph, you haven't either of you. No, no. Okay, I'm, I'm still working my way through the Haunting of Hill House on um, on Netflix, which uh, I would recommend. Uh, is it a TV show? It is a TV show. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. It's, well, I've been it's, hearing some things about that. Yeah, I, I mean, check it out. I, I thought I thought it was really good. I mean, it's kind of it reminds me. It's almost like, um, uh, do you remember Six Feet Under, the TV show? Oh yes, yeah, I love kind, that show. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of too. like that with this kind of dis- because what's interesting about it is if you know the original film, I haven't read the book, but I've, I imagine I'm not so not sure if the the short story or the novella or whatever it was, the film was completely based on that, but. In the original film, you've got the the characters going to um, uh, kind of a ghost hunt, basically, for want a better term, the um, Hill House. But in this um, adaptation, they've got the same characters, but they're actually all brothers and sisters, and the, uh, and the mum and dad. And it's it kind of it flits between the the haunting um, and also the present day, sort of twenty years later or whatever it is, sort of. Um, so it's yeah, so it's quite well well done, and it's got some really really creepy moments in it, which um, uh, you know work really really well. Um, but it's a lot of it's kind of got that kind of um, 
drama i kind of guess you're talking about with the halloween uh sort of um the new halloween film it's got a lot of that but they're like nine feet under sorry six feet under sort of um uh dysfunctional family thing going on but it's really well acted and it's beautifully shot so uh and um about halfway through so uh but i'd i'd recommend it if you're into that kind of yeah. thing so I'll check uh, that out sounds good okay excellent and right well i guess it's time to head off to pendleton isn't it so um joseph you're going to come in after the trailer and lead us into urban legend so here we go last week we discussed folklore get more specific. This is what we call an urban legend. Contemporary folklore passed on as a true story. Something you might have heard about seeing pop rocks and soda. Supposedly, your stomach and your intestines burst. Voila, still alive. Mr. Ross, please. He's going to explode! Somebody call me! are the legends we've all heard. Gang members drive around at night with their headlights off. And when someone goes to flash in their high beams to warn them, they kill them. The stories we've all told. A guy and a girl, and they're parked out in the woods. See, the guy steps out, and the girl starts to hear these scratching noises. It's her dead boyfriend hung from a tree. The tales we've all listened to. Isn't there another story about a guy with an axe hiding in a woman's back seat? My mom still checks the back seat before getting into a car. But just because it never happened doesn't mean it never will. The decapitated body was found in her car. I knew I should have gone to NYU. This girl, she could have been any one of us. What if there is a lunatic on campus? What is he going to do next, huh? Maybe put spider eggs in bubble gum? The idea of an urban legend serial killer. It's a stretch. The call's coming from inside the house. Could it be an urban legend? Something I can help you with. all these urban legends and making them reality urban legend have you heard the one about the microwave when new england college student natalie finds herself at the center of a series of sadistic murders seemingly inspired by urban legends she resolves to find the truth about pendleton's own legend a 25-year-old story of a student massacre at the hands of an abnormal psych professor. As the fraternities prepare to celebrate the macabre anniversary, Natalie discovers that she is the focus of the crazed killer's intentions in the ultimate urban legend, the story of her own horrific murder. Yeah, I recall when the trailers for Urban Legend hit back in 1998, everyone kind of laughed at what they perceived to be this sort of... Uh, fifth-rate, you know, screen clone, which I guess is exactly what Urban Legend is, though, whereas screen shtick was kind of to be holier than thou in a comical way, Urban Legend sort of uh, embraces its absurdities with a, you know, with a smile, knowing full well it's dumber than a sack of hammers, but, you know, having fun with, with, uh, with its 
absurd premise all the, uh, you know, all the same. It, it kind of really harkens back to uh, the, the zippy fun popcorn slashers of the early 80s, uh, you know, contrivances and absurd plot point to be damned. You know, I was surprised at how well it held up, despite the fact that it's just so stupid. Um, I will be getting into spoilers here, so fair warning. I mean, how utterly convenient is it that Brenda and Natalie are kind of, you know, knowingly and unknowingly entwined in this sort of uh, urban legend blood feud on this campus where no one talks about anything except urban legends? And even and they even offer a course on it for, you know, for expositional purposes. Um uh, you know, Rebecca Gayhart's hair, her, it goes kind of like full wall of uh, Vidal Sassoon during the unmasking, you know, her teeth gnashing every which way but loose, her, um, her eyes bugging out of her sockets. And it's just, I mean, it's just a lot of goofy fun. I, you know, I liked all the characters too, even the ones that are um, kind of supposed to be slightly to moderately obnoxious. I like them as well. Um, though I, I do have to say Alicia Witt as Natalie is severely miscast. I mean, this is a performance so bad that you can't help but wonder, you know, what would have happened had they cast, um, you know, someone who could actually keep up with Rebecca Gayhart during the finale. I mean, you know, poor witch. She just looks like a deer in headlights. She looks hopelessly lost. You know, um, some of the stray thoughts that popped up into my head when I was watching this, uh, Michelle Mancini, she was able to fill up this huge gas guzzling SUV for $16. Um, I drive a compact and I can't fill up for less than 30. So times have <laughs> certainly changed since 1998. Um, I also liked how in this film, there's this, uh, this constant rainstorm and the killer wears this winter attire. Now, if you watch the sequel, a lot of it is set in snowy, cold conditions and the killer in that film wears a rain slicker. So it's like they get their killers backwards. I mean, I, I just love these movies. They're so absurd. I mean, they're, they're, but they're flashy enough to make you not really care. Um, but I think my only gripe with the, the first urban legend is that uh, the Stanley Hall subplot, you know, it just kind of turns out to be this, uh, you know, nothing more really than this big fat red herring. And I, I thought the backstory on that would have made, you know, for its own unique kind of slasher movie. And they just kind of, you know, forget about it when we find out who the killer really is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's absurd. It's stupid, but it's flashy. It's fun. It never stops uh, to take a breath. I mean, so thumbs up for me. Um, thumbs way up, if I'm honest. Uh what about you, Justin? Well, uh, I I remember seeing this at the cinema, and I um, we've talked about this before. Some of these the post Scream sequels that uh, when um, uh, horror was getting in commas trendy again, and of course it, trendy horror was at the time when we were on the um, the news groups. It was uh, and on forums it was used as a as a way of kind of uh, belittling these movies and calling them trendy horror and saying if you you know it's a kind of it was what horror fans were seeing that uh, people who would be otherwise liking, I don't know, sort of, sort of um, other teen movies would uh, had suddenly kind of grasped onto horror, and it was, um, and there was some, you know, I think there was some, <clears throat> um, some point to that in so much that. Uh, you know, you had all these kind of young, attractive people off TV and um, making these movies, and it was very much kind of a cash-in. But, of course, all the slasher movies in the early 80s were cash-ins of Friday 13th and Halloween, so this was kind of no no different. Um, and I also remember the critics hating Urban Legend especially, and they hated I Know What You Did Last Summer, 
partly because they thought that Scream was so clever, um, but they also thought Scream was basically the final word of the Slash movie. It was really the nail in the coffin of the Slash movie, and they were annoyed that, in fact, rather than burying the Slash movie, Scream had actually revived it. And um, Urban Legend was obviously born of that success. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, it's immensely rewatchable. Um, and I've said it before, and you know, I'll say it again. It's this film, and I still know what you did last summer, especially. I think capture the absurdity of the early '80s slasher, the things that we love about those those films, like you know, the absurdities in films like Happy Birthday to Me. And you either love the twists in Happy Birthday to Me, or you hate them. And if you love them, then I see no reason not to love Urban Legend, because. It is ridiculous, you know. You're, it's 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 all it's cartoonish in a lot of ways, and uh, um, and I agree with with Joseph bizarrely that you one of the things we criticise quite often is the the kind of unlikable characters in modern slasher movies. And actually, in this movie, most of the characters are not most of them, but a lot of them are quite unlikable. And in fact, they, you know, when people have been killed, you know, been killed, they, you know, peripheral characters just make quips about their deaths, and everyone treats it as a bit of a lark. It's not particularly taken seriously um but it kind of works in the con in the context of this movie it, it works it, you know it's still it's kind of what i in term and it's my favorite time is kind of popcorn horror you know it's it, it, when it shifts into gear especially in that that um uh you know the the moment where alicia witt and rebecca gayhart are out with uh with um uh what's his name not Jay Leno, <laughs> no, what's... Um, Gareth uh, Yes, that, that one, sorry. Um, uh, and then they, they discover the body in the back of the car and they kind of look at each other and they say, you know, he's, he's all, as I told you, he's all yours. And they're running through the woods and or through the swamp and all these kind of things. It's just kind of, it's just Scooby-Doo at its finest and it's just a lot of fun. And the, the final uh, 15, 20 minutes with the, the killer's uh, monologue is, is fantastic. And it's the director, you know, Jamie Blanks and, um, the, you know, screenwriter, you know, the, the tongue is fir firmly in, tr in cheek. And uh, they had as good as um, grip on what made early 80s the, the, the more, the, you know, the more entertaining, the, the more popcorn early 80s slashes work as Kevin Williamson did. Um, so it treats it, um, it's not particularly irreverent to the, you know, the subgenre, but it treats it with an irreverence, but also with, um, with a uh, kind of, a, you know, it, it, it's not um, mean-spirited with it. It's not taking the piss out of it. It's actually having fun with it and is in with the joke and is made by people who are fans of the movies. And so quite often slasher movies and horror movies seem to be made by people who aren't fans of the genre and fill them with unlikable people. Whereas Urban Legend is, is, is a lot of fun. You know, I had, you know, revisiting it after 20 years, of course it looks dated now and everything, but it's it still looks you know the cinematography is great the opening scene um you know is is a classic in its own way you know with the the killer in the back of the seat uh, you know it is ridiculous you know the killer chops off the um the, the person's head who's driving the car and survives you know you when you when you find out who the killer is at the end of the movie this person's been thrown around sort of smashed up and down and still well he gets shot at the end in the chest a couple of times and flies out the window like michael myers with a bad perm and still gets up and is kind of, uh, you know, um, it's so, so it's not taking itself seriously. But if you're in the right frame of mind, it is a lot of fun. And in fact, I'd much rather watch this film than something like, say, Scream 3, um, where things not exactly takes it too seriously. But it's, um, I think some of the fun is kind of leached out of the, that film, those, that series of films they go on. 
Um, whereas this, and I know what you did last summer, still know what you did last summer, sorry, are two of my favourite kind of post-Scream uh, movies. So, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Cool, cool. What about you, Nathan? Oh, I, I love Urban Legend. I think it's, uh, like you guys were saying, it's just a lot of fun. It's very silly. I mean, I was like uh, laughing at so many of the scenes in this movie, like watching it this time around. Like Justin was talking about the killer decapitating uh, the girl with the axe. Like how could you swing that axe with enough force from the back seat of the vehicle to decapitate someone? I mean, there's just there's just absolutely no way. And I absolutely love the scene where it's towards the end and Natalie gets picked up by the creepy janitor and they're driving. And then, of course, the killer's coming towards them with their lights off and the janitor flashes the lights. And as soon as he flashes it, it's all dramatic. And Natalie's like, no, don't. And I'm like, yeah, because if he would not have flashed his lights, the killer would have kept driving and left her alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just kind of silly because I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's why I love it. Um, and, of course, the killer's monologue at the end is just – Wes was watching, kind of watching it with me. He was laughing so hard at the monologue at the end. He just kept saying, I cannot believe this. And I was like, yeah, like, it's just – this is just the movie. I mean – and, like, after the killer is supposedly dispatched the first time – um, it's, it's very odd to me that suddenly Natalie and Paul are driving away from the school and they're like, Oh, Reese will be fine. The ambulance is on the way. Yeah. I'm like, where are they Reese going? Laying in a pool of blood after being shot. Yeah. It's so, it's so ridiculous to me. Um, if I had a complaint about it, to be honest, um, it, it's that, I don't know if I necessarily thought like you did, Joseph, that it was Alicia Witt's acting because I've seen her in other movies and she's really good at, in other movies I've seen her in. But I just kind of find the character of Natalie to kind of be a bit bland compared to the rest of the characters. She's so mopey and dour. She's almost like Jamie Lee Curtis in the new Halloween film. Yeah, but I mean, and, and I'm more forgiving for Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the new Halloween film. Uh, I think she went through something worse. Um but overall, no, I think that Urban Legends is it's it's just a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, or maybe I was the one that just wasn't taking it too seriously. But either way, it worked for me. And I thought that um, Sasha's death scene was really good. Like, I thought that was a really great chase scene. So, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I love I love chase scenes in movies. And I was like, that was a really good one. So, no, I give it. Uh, two thumbs up and I mean it's it's definitely one of my favorite post scream uh, slasher films okay well I know Eric absolutely hates this film so we might as well get his opinion out of the way I so don't hate this film I love this film um I mean, I wasn't too pushed on Scream. I mean, I thought it was okay when it came out first, but rewatching it for the podcast whenever we did it a few years ago, I really didn't like it at all. I felt the dialogue had dated so badly and it just, uh, everything about it felt forced and stagey and I just can't warm to Scream. Scream for me are films I can watch once, but never again. Like I've never, I would never buy a Scream box set or anything. I know what you did last summer came along 
I love that one. And then Urban Legend came after that, and I adore this one. Um, as Justin was saying, this is a Scooby-Doo with an 18s rating um, because it's just so uh, so silly. And I love the fact that it's not afraid to be silly um, whilst keeping a straight face as well. It's it's not it's slapstick. It's not kind of wacko or pandemonium. But um, that's what I love about it is that it was, it was happy birthday to me sort of 17 years later. It was, it was doing the same type of thing um, with silly plot twists, um, a killer who has an elaborate slideshow set up in, in an abandoned building, you know, in just in the off chance that her final victim to be will, will end up in that building for the film's climax. Um, I also like how this abandoned building had power. Yes, yeah. I know. Well, I, th- I thought it was hilarious. The fact Who's is that the, the electricity bill, <laughs> but the killer had no. You know, Alicia Witt's character could have run completely different direction, couldn't she? I know. Yeah. So it, she was lured there by um, Brenda shouting for help, I suppose. But she, when she ran away from the car, though, she could have gone in a completely different direction, oh, couldn't she? I know completely. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking I about think another. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say you were complaining about plot contrivance in the new Halloween. <laughs> well, the, 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 the difference is Urban Legends doesn't take itself as seriously as the new Halloween film does. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, well, well, no, the one thing, one thing, sorry, Eric, one thing I was going to mention is that one thing that disappointed me was when, um, this is more spoilers, but uh, Brenda basically survives this whole ordeal and she's revealed at the end to be at a different college telling these Urban Legends to other you know, other students. Um, I was a little upset that um, when we see her at this new college, her hair wasn't even bigger. I mean, maybe she's like hibernating like a bear and she's ready to poise to strike. And she's got, you know, like a, a, a crimper and some perm volumizer ready on the off chance that she needs to kill somebody. It would have been funny if she had like um, hair like the new Jam Brady, you know, with like a massive afro. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, J- J- Justin, you referred to Rebecca Gayhart as like Michael Myers with a bad perm. I disagree. She's Michael Myers with a great perm, <laughs> with the most awesome perm ever. Um, I, I love that moment where, of course, I, um, the famous moment where the girl walks into the swimming pool dressed in a parka identical to the killer. Mm. Uh, we, th- we assume that she's going to kill uh, Brenda, who's swimming in the pool at the time. But then she takes off her parka and she's got a swimsuit underneath and she's just another student. It's like, hmm, really? You wear a parka into a swimming pool just for that one little scare? I was listening to the comp- <laughs> I bought this on DVD, actually, when it came out. It's one of the first ever DVDs I owned. Um, and there's a commentary on it by Jamie Blanks and the writer and the, Michael Rosenbaum, is that his name, who plays the guy who owns the dog that gets microwaved. Parker. That's it. Um, yeah. And uh, Jamie Blanks was saying that that's the one moment that they can't really justify. And, um, you know, they don't they realize now that it plays a bit silly. But I love that moment. It, it just epitomizes all that's good about urban legend. Um and Rebecca Gayhart is just magnificent, and I think we've all said. I mean, I fell in love with her in this movie. Uh, when she turns naughty at the end, it's 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 brilliant. She's like channeling Mrs. Voorhees with a great perm, um, um, you know, and her her um, you know elaborate slideshow monologue. It's it's just totally. It's, it reminds me so much of Happy Birthday to me that the finale of that only you know even even more silly. Um, I suppose her. Her reasons for her murder spree aren't that aren't terribly silly, but her her sort of reveal at the end of why she's doing it all is completely Scooby Doo. Um, Alicia Witt, I thought she was okay in the film. I mean, there's a moment in the trailer there, um, which isn't in the film, where she says somebody's taking all these urban legends and making them realities, 
and it's really badly delivered, but it's not in the film. <laughs> but she does sound awful in the trailer. Um, I thought she was okay. I mean, I thought I found her quite a likable character. I didn't um, mind her, to be honest. I think uh, she, she is different from, uh, you know... Yeah, I didn't mind her in the role. I think it was kind of a different approach to... Um, uh, I mean, you know, to a Neve Campbell or a sort of... Um, or a Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I don't know. She was. It was kind of like a different kind of take on it. Uh, I, I didn't mind her in the role, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, um, Eric, I know you're still going with your thoughts, but one thing I, you haven't mentioned yet, and I'm surprised, is the goth character. Of course. Mm. Oh my mm. God, it's, it's Tosh. Tosh, played by the wonderful Danielle Harris. Um, now it, it was a real joy to see because I hadn't seen her in anything since Halloween four and five when this came out. So it was about ten years, and I was like, oh my God, it's little. Um, what's her name? Jamie from Jamie Halloween. Lloyd. Yeah. And now she's a goth. And like, I didn't really know Jess Justin at the time. So, but if I, if I did, I was like, oh, that must be what it's like sharing a room with Justin. <laughs> Is that what your colleague <laughs> was like, Justin? One half, your half had painted all black. No, well, we didn't, I didn't have, I, I didn't have a, a roommate at uh, university. I don't, I think that might be quite an American thing. All right. I don't think we have to. Did her goth character ring true to you? Well, not really. I mean, it's kind of like she was on the, you know, she was a goths for, for you, or is it a goths for goth? Goth for goth yeah. that she was she's like. Kind of, she felt like more of a caricature of a goth. Well, she's a total stereotype, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did make me laugh when the um, there's a scene where after she's been killed and those, as I mentioned about the people making fun of people's deaths and they said... Uh, um, I had a, a double take because they, they they said something. The two girls kind of like sort of say something like, "Oh, uh, you better check her pulse. She's looked like that for you know for years." And <laughs> um, the paramedics are wheeling past this little on the on the gurney on the the, the thing is a little um, sort of orange um, lunchbox that it looks like. And I I had to look for a second. I thought maybe was she in that because that's what they said. You better check her pulse because she looked like for ages. And then they, they walk past on a stretcher with this little orange lunchbox, which looks like it on there. So very strange. I love but, how Justin was saying, Justin was saying the movie looks dated. Even the, um, even with the goth character, uh, she's, she's got this obsession with lithium and no one takes lithium anymore. So that even that's dated the whole, uh, looking for, you know, painkillers or whatever thing. I thought that was funny. Yeah. The most dated thing in it for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about drug culture at all me but uh, the most dated thing i found was the ringtones on the mobile phones which mobile phones were kind of in their infancy at the time so you get the it's not even polyphonic it's what monophonic i suppose um yeah but um, it's also the the dial-up internet as well wasn't it oh yeah <laughs> yeah she, she's trying to use the phone it's like <laughs> boy that takes me back it eric does. you were talking about how just how silly everything is and, and i agree one thing this film has an overabundance of is the false scare. And in this film, it's like so absurd because like, say Natalie would be just like staring off into space and there'd be no one within like a 10 mile radius. She'll turn around for like two seconds, turn back around and bam, someone's standing right there with that ding on the, on the soundtrack. It's just so funny how much, how often they do that here. <laughs> yeah. It's pre predicting the, the trend with the, the sort of the conjuring universe is notorious for doing that every five minutes. Um, Yes, I, what I, else I noticed about rewatching the film, because I haven't watched it in about 15 years, is um, it's not that gory. Um, the kills are very quick, and most of the time they're off screen. And I mean, But I didn't miss the gore. It didn't need to be gory, because just everything else about the film is so fun. Because there's often no, times just, where yeah. 
Yeah. There's often times where a film won't be special effects heavy and I'll be like going, oh, this is a bit dull. I wish there was more effects in it. But it's not the case with Urban Legend. Just everything is just moving along so briskly and it's just so much fun that you don't actually need K and B on board to show sort of people being decapitated or split in half or whatever. Um, yeah, so... Well, this is a, definitely more of a, a director's movie with um, a lot of movement and stuff. Yeah. Constant and, movement, yeah. Yeah, this is his... Like, this was his first feature. He's only in his mid-20s and to make a film as just entertaining as this, it's, it's... You know, I... As we said, like, a movie being silly is not a problem for us. It's if it's boring and Urban Legend's not boring. Um... Uh, it's held up so well for me because some of those um, post-Scream things, I just, you know, I, I can't, as I said, I could watch once, but maybe not again. But Urban Legend, along with the two, I know what you did last summer movies, are, uh, you know, uh, still firm favorites of mine. And I was delighted to see, like, after watching it after so long, that it's still a cracking good movie. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Any any other thoughts? I'm just trying to think if there was anything else... Um... I mean, I like the fact um, that you said the nods to the early 80s slasher movies, you know, like having the um, the college party, uh, you know, that that type of thing. All those kind of things were kind of really uh, sort of nicely, nicely done. And sort of uh, I kind of guess it didn't preempt the um, uh, the, the college slasher with Scream 2, did it? first didn't it in 97 actually had the college based yeah. slasher but i know when this came out because i was doing some research into some background and we will come on to that shortly but it was uh say at the t- i think it's still well what i've read it's still only got 20 percent on rotten tomatoes so uh, you know 80 percent of people don't see it in the same way as we do yeah they sort of uh, i love the um i love the opening scene with the total eclipse of the heart mm. Um, you're talking about how, how, how in the world does this killer decapitate someone and, and then survive the, uh, the car wreck. One thing I thought what might've been funny is like the whole time Michelle Mancini's characters, uh, singing that Bonnie Tyler song. I'm wondering if the killer's in the backseat going, good God, her singing is terrible. I just, I need to go ahead and kill her now. Yeah. And she didn't know the song either. She kept messing yeah. up the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you notice, when the um, there's a shot, isn't there, of the uh, the windscreen and the car stopped, it's stationary, isn't it, at the uh, end? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's but it came off the accelerator. So yeah, I kind of guess so. But it's um, yeah, I mean Rebecca Gayhart. I mean how? I mean that's gonna go, go show. I mean that's why it's celebrating the absurdity to the slasher movie because all the stuff that she goes through in the movie um, and there's not a mark on her, is there, throughout the whole thing? And being shot well, twice and, in the chest. You know, things work out very conveniently for her because, I mean, think about the beginning. What if the stuttering guy had been able to tell her when they got inside? Well, that would ruin that opening urban legend she was trying to recreate there. Yeah. Right. The the idea of the ending is that the whole film is, is a story being told by some people at college so that none of it has actually happened. The whole thing has been an urban legend itself, the whole 90 minutes. Well, I don't think that's the case. I think I think it happened. It's just there. It's just, it's the what actually happened has been diluted. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think it could mean. be read either way, couldn't it? The ending, uh, because I love the the fact that they're all dressed in pastel colors, aren't they? And that was supposed to be indicate the future. Because I know the sequel. I mean, obviously the the sequel is a different movie, but in the sequel. Reese uh, shows back up. And she says uh, a murder spree happened at this college, and they covered it up. Mm seen the sequel in a long time either they're both coming out in special edition from screen factory next month in november 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, apparently yeah, they kind of they'd loads of packed I can't with wait lots to of cover features. The, the sequel, actually, mm. I know you're a big fan of the sequel, aren't you, Joseph? Oh yes, I love love it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, if we get into a bit of background, I mean, just one thing, just to say, the one of the, that I read, and I don't know how true this is, is that originally it was meant to be shot in uh when it was snowy it was supposed to be shot uh uh kind of you know like the, that was the whole look of the movie was going to be like a kind of snowbound which what uh the parker uh sort of was a you know was kept over from that a bit like funnily enough Bloodbeat, which we covered last time was meant to be shot in the snow and they didn't have any snow in wisconsin so that you know that's what i read explained the the use of the parker because also everybody in the movie has a parker don't they even though it's not cold so, of course, we've yep. got Robert England as well in it, which I don't know if you noticed the, the hockey mask in his office, which is obviously a, like an ironic nod to Friday no, 13th. I did, notice, I did notice a large string puppet in his, um, uh, where they see the axe, which I thought was a nod to Dream Warriors, maybe. Yeah, well, I saw, yeah, I saw that as well. And I, I just, because I was looking for a Freddy puppet, because I thought I read somewhere there was one there. Maybe that's what they, they meant by that. But there's actually, there's a hockey mask hanging there as well. And obviously... You know, although obviously Robert England wasn't involved in the Friday Thirteenth movies, apart from Freddy vs Jason, but uh, I think it was kind of a nod to all of that, wasn't it? So uh, it's all it missed really was um, somebody, put, you know, Alicia Whip pulling off a, a sort of pantyhose off her face and uh, being, I don't know, Dana Kimmel underneath. <laughs> that would have been crazy. <laughs> it would pay good me for that. Yeah. Mm. So, well, let's talk a little bit about background then. Uh, what, um, Joseph, you, you picked the movie. Have you got anything for us? Yeah, um, apparently it had a $14 million budget, which for a slasher film in 1997 or 98 is pretty substantial. It, um, it grossed nearly $40 million in the States alone, so that warranted the sequel, and I think it hit around 70 to $75 million worldwide. So it was a pretty big success. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar apparently accepted the role of Sasha, but she had to back out due to schedule conflicts with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, I'm not sure if this is true, but this is something I read. It was apparently filmed at the same university as Killer Party from 1986, which obviously is that um, another camp set slasher. Uh, both films feature a costume party at a fraternity and characters being targeted by a mass killer and an urban legend about murder and abandoned dormitory. So. I'm wondering if they saw Killer Party and then they got lucky and got to film there. I don't know. Um, the Professor William Wexler character, Robert England, uh, originally in the earlier draft of the script, he had bipolar disorder. Um, and uh, apparently the Latin motto of the university, which is featured on some of the emblems in the films, in the film, um, it translates to the best friend did it. Um, I'm not sure if that's true, but I'll have to go back and look. Um, Jamie that, Banks does mention that on the commentary track as well, so it is true. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Uh, that's pretty much all the feet, uh, the background I have. Uh, what about you, Nathan? No, <laughs> was I'm very, very sorry, but I worked like a ton this week, and I just haven't had time to do much. I just watched the movie last night and made notes, so yeah, I've been very behind. I'll have a lot of background for our next pick, though. So, oh, fair enough. What about you, uh, J- uh, Eric? Okay, well, Silvio Horta, who's a screenwriter, he um, graduated from New York University's film school in 1996. He relocated to Los Angeles, and his first script, Even Exchange, came to the attention of um, Gina Matthews, and then the two collaborated on 
uh, a pitch for Urban Legend, which uh, got the green light from uh, Neil Moritz, who had produced uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. He gave him the green light for the project in August of 1997. Uh, and by April of the following year, they started shooting. So it was a very fast project to work on. Uh, as you said, the budget was $14 million. They shot for 10 weeks it opened on September the 25th, 1998. Uh, it debuted at number three in the box office. Uh, it was behind uh, the new release of Ronan, which was number two, and the first Rush Hour film was enjoying its second week at number one that week. Uh, but it went on to make 72 million worldwide. Um, Jamie Blanks, the director, he was only 26 when he made this, and the screenwriter was only 22, I think uh, it said. Um, he got the gig by uh, making a self-funded trailer for I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, he was up for maybe directing that picture, but they chose um, Jim Gillespie instead. But the producers were impressed with the little trailer he made that they gave him the gig on Urban Legend. He only went on to direct three more films after this, surprisingly. He did Valentine, which we've covered before, Storm Warning, which was a pretty good movie, and he did the remake of Long Weekend, which was I remember being pretty decent as well. But he hasn't directed anything in the last, and any movie, uh, feature films anyway, in the last 10 years. Um Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jodie Lynn Keefe um, were both supposed to play Sasha, uh, but they both had to back out. Sarah Michelle Gellar for Buffy and Jodie Lynn Keefe went to be on to be in Halloween H2O. I think she's the girl who gets her leg trapped in the dumbwaiter. Is that her? I'm not sure, but she's in H2O anyway, which opened. Yeah, it's, uh, sorry, Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. O'Keefe, sorry, yeah. Uh, and Reese Witherspoon and Melissa Joan Hart were both turned down for the role. Uh, or sorry, they weren't both turned down. They both turned down offers of playing uh, the role of Natalie. Um, and that's all I have. Um, so uh, handing over to Justin. Okay. Well, um, I was going to say, uh, you covered most of the things, but uh, just obviously mentioned, I'm not sure if it's been mentioned, but Joshua Jackson and Rebecca, Rebecca Gayhart were in Scream 2 the um, the year before, uh, obviously similarly uh, sort of the sort of sorority kind of slasher. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm just having a look actually on IMDb, but I'm pretty sure that Jamie Blanks, um, he's done a lot of, uh, he's a composer now, isn't he, for films? So... He uh, so he's writing music, and he one of the films I've not seen it, but um, it's a film called Needle, and it's an Australian movie, uh, which um, the um, synopsis sounded quite uh, kind of intriguing. Um, it sounded like a supernatural slasher movie, um, where I think just looking up the things, a killer uses an 18th century machine with supernatural powers to to terrorise students at a college. Has anyone seen Needle? No, no. I've never heard of it. Okay. But uh, so yes, it looks like he's he do, he's done uh, the uh, the soundtracks for a number of uh, movies, including um, he was involved in Electric Boogaloo, the Wild Untold Story of Canada Films in 2014. Um, so uh, so that was that was him. So yeah, it's a shame he he didn't do more. I think um, Valentine, if I remember correctly, that was when that came out. That was the I always remember going to see that at the cinema. And literally being us being the only two people in there and realizing at that moment the the kind of the slasher mini boom, post screen mini boom had come to very much screech into a halt. Uh, and unfortunately, Jamie Blanks uh, that probably put a bit of a coy posh on his career uh, for a while. Although unfortunately, that film was quite. I, if I, I remember 
If I remember correctly, I think Storm Warning was actually really good. It, it could have been mm. a theatrical release. It was so good, actually. But it was Australia. I think he kind of went back to Australia, didn't he? Because I think Storm Warning was Australian. Uh, was. It was set in Australia, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, so it's a shame he hasn't done more because, I mean, he obviously he was, you know, very adept at um, handling. He's got flair. He's got some yeah. flair, yeah. Absolutely. And an evident love of the, the subgenre. So, yeah. Uh, so, yes, well, that was Urban Legends. So um, I know that actually probably, am I right in thinking that we've had more feedback for this on the Facebook pages than pretty much any other film? Well, I'm not sure about that, but we do have a lot. A lot. Well, do you want to sort of maybe, you might not have uh, time to read all of it, but I don't know if you want to... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I got time to read it all, but okay. I'll, I guess I'll start now. Shane Lambert says one of the better slashers to come along in the wake of Scream, in my opinion. Murders based on urban legends is an interesting idea. Rebecca Gayhart's manic performance, when revealed as the killer, is hilarious. I'm sure her hairdo helped. Uh, Forrest Green says love it better than Scream, in my opinion. Uh, Donnie Ibarra says it's a great post-screen slasher without actually acting as a post-screen slasher-ish. Uh, Robert Long says, kind of stupid, like the sequel better. I mean, really, how did the killer survive the car wreck after killing the driver? Uh, Anthony Michael Dorgan says, pre-credit scene is amazing. The whole total eclipse of the heart sequence is tense and creepy as hell. After that, it settles into meh territory very quickly. Asia Ramey says, I'd rather play pickup sticks with my butt cheeks. Wow. Um, West Ray, yeah, harsh. West Ray says Valentine is the better Jamie Blank slasher movie. I wouldn't agree with that, but I've grown fond of this one over the years. Although I personally still think the identity of the killer is beyond ridiculous. It certainly is. And that's why I love it. Um, Jake McCoy, Jake, the snake McCoy says one of the better 90s slashers, awesome concept, cool killer costume and great, great atmosphere. Sure. Things get a little stupid, like having a stretch having to stretch a bit to make the killings happen. What happens if Josh Jackson doesn't have to go pee in the middle of nowhere? And the fact that everyone has the same parka, but I can forgive it. Plus Robert England and Brad Dourif recreating his Billy character. Um, let's see. Nick Swanson says, cool concept marred by minimal gore, blatant red herrings, annoying villain, and the fact that the last 30 or so minutes of the movie have almost no references to urban legends besides the bathtub. Better than Scream 3, but still one of the weaker late 90s slashers. Deserves a remake that does the idea better. I, re I recommend that Aja guy who did the remake of Bills Have Eyes. Mark Harrison says, Cheesy schlock. Always a fun watch. However, this film hasn't aged too well. Tara Reid's best performance and a weak-ass weak final girl who can't act for shit. John Matthews says, one of the prime post-screens 90s slashers. I've always liked this film. I feel with the upcoming Blu-ray, it will gain an even bigger cult following. Uh, let's see. David Ladd says, I love the concept of this film, but something about its execution for me is very flat and bland. I wonder what this film would have been like if it had been made around 1980 with Jamie Lee Curtis or Leslie Donaldson in the lead. Hmm, that would be interesting. Ron Burgundy says, one of the few 90s slashers to capture the fun of the early 80s era. Great stuff. Nick Yeoman says, yes, it's cheesy, ridiculous, and dated, but I do have a lot of love for this film. Rebecca Gayhart's final hair is just the icing on this goofy cake. What a performance. 
Matt Alton says not seen it in years, but I really remember liking it. Um, boy, Jenny Hall Cameron says, I really like this one a lot. Of course, it's one where the plausibility of who the killer is not who the killer is, is not plausible, but is a, but it is a great movie. I could have done without Michael Rosenbaum's character and they could have tossed in a minority kid or something, but I liked it. I really liked Joshua Jackson's character and wished he was in it longer, but what can you do? Enjoyed the bit parts by Robert England and Brad Dourif. Rebecca Gayhart hammed it up quite well. Let's see. Scott Harn says, one of the first slasher films I ever saw, somehow convinced my parents to let me rent it from the video store when I was around 10 years old. I've loved it ever since. Plot absurdities aside, I think it is one of the more atmospheric 90s slasher films. Great sets and musical score probably help. Rebecca Gayhart is also very good in it. Uh, Gareth Morgan says, fantastic concept, fantastic film. One of the greatest opening sequences in slasher history. Uh, Cairn Mitchie, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, says, fun movie, great opening scene. Uh, Meep, Michael Ferrari, says, I concur with some of the, some others in feeling that it's the best of the post-screen slashers. On a related note, I'm currently wearing a parka with a fur collar and nothing else. <laughs> Um, let's see. Warren Money says a brilliant post-screen slasher that has the intelligence and wit. Alicia Wit? I don't know. Not to be too meta, but at the same time aware of the kind of movie that it is. Its polish and style are more reminiscent of modern films. Directed by an Aussie, Jamie Blanks, it's aesthetically similar in tone to the movies of James Wan, another Aussie. Uh, top marks to this gym, a 9.89 out of 10, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. I'm not, maybe Eric would know what he's talking about. I don't. No. Because uh, you've said oi before on the on the show. So. I oi a lot, but it means oi. Yeah, okay. Uh, David S. Um, uh, it was just a lot in um, Don't Talk Until Christmas where the, the gang were like, oi, Santa, oi, oi, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's also David- my Justin, by the way. Oh, okay. David Assassino says, I think it's the best of the post-scream slasher. It's a lot more fun than most of the CW horror crowd anyways. It's dopey, but it's not pretending it isn't and gives you some really great horror set pieces. Plus, the killer calls the final girl Miss Thang. That's really special. Elias Vasquez says, just pick this up at the flea market for a dollar. Haven't seen it since I was 13 years old. Now as a 32-year-old man, I understand what you mean, Justin, and how this is a really good guilty pleasure. I like how it uses the urban legend trope to fashion a good old slasher out of it. Although if you look at this movie too closely, you'll see a lot of flaws, which is why I turned my brain off when I watched it recently. Two thumbs up. Okay, over on Instagram, Football Huck says, always found it great fun. One of my top picks from the second golden age of slashers. Quite a decent cast, too. Um, Let's see. On Twitter, Russell Hillman says, a lot better than its reputation would suggest. Robbie Dunlop says, one of my favorite slashers. Also love part two. Can't wait for the Blu-rays. Freddie Fennec says, fashions and nod to the Dawson's Creek theme aside, I think it's one of the slashers of that period that has aged the best. It also features an opening scene to rank alongside any of the subgenre. Uh, Dom O'Brien says it really holds up having watched it recently. It's no screen, but I've got an intense fondness for both urban legend and urban legends. Final cut. 
Hellbound Media says, personal favorite of the postmodern slashers of the late 90s. Fantastic cast, too, and some of the, and some great set pieces. The score is hauntingly beautiful, too. Scott Ellis says, I love it. Ridiculous, but loads of fun. I remember seeing the trailer when I was 14 and knowing that it was my kind of film. The sequel's disappointed, though. Uh, Eugene Weaver says, decent 90s slasher. Not as good as the I Know What You Did Last Summer series, but solid. Neil, I don't know his last name, says a huge amount of fun. Probably more rewatchable than Scream is these days. Very likable cast as well. Uh, Killer Chloe's from Outer Space, I like that name, says I like it, but honestly I've seen it three times and barely remember anything that happens. And I'm pretty sure I was mostly sober each time. I like it better than I Know What You Did Last Summer, but but it's far inferior to Scream in my opinion. The Bitter Bastard nerd cast says, fantastic opening scene despite the ludicrous ability to behead someone with an axe from the backseat of a car. I mean, she must weigh 90 pounds. How is she supposed to get enough strength, um, room, and leverage to be able to cut someone's head off? But I digress. Lots of fun. Travis, um, another non-last name, says, when this came out, I was fairly obsessed with urban legends. And the books that Jan Harold Brunvard put out, so I loved it a lot. I really like the killer's reveal also. Fun slasher, in my opinion. And finally, Andrew Tadman says, love it. So much fun. And that is all the feedback on Urban Legend. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone who uh, wrote in. Uh, and um, this is how to get in contact with the show, if you haven't already. And uh, here we go. The content of this podcast was provided by Justin, Joseph, Eric, and Nathan. If you enjoy our show and are willing to provide a donation, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash the hysteria continues. Your monetary kindness keeps the show on the air, and in return, you'll have access to exclusive content not released elsewhere. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter to stay up to date on all of our future shows and Blu-ray commentary releases. For general feedback, our email address is the hysteria continues at gmail.com. Yeah, well, thank you ever so much for everyone who's written in and also our dear Patreon supporters and who will be getting a double bill of Amateurville 2 uh, and also top three scariest moments for Halloween. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you'll be getting those soon. Uh, We haven't recorded them yet. We're doing those next weekend, but they'll be out uh, soon. And if you're not a Patreon uh, supporter, then, you know, if you... Uh, become one then you can join in the fun so um, uh, please do and I was, one thing I've completely forgot to mention and um, I uploaded a clip to YouTube uh, the History Lives YouTube channel and also uh, the Facebook uh, groups is the um, clip from the Indian the Bollywood movie from 2003 uh, made five years after this called Kuch Dahai, uh which was one of the Bollywood slasher movies that came out in the the wake of Scream and these sort of I know you did last summer and Urban Legends specifically Kuch Dahai, uh is about two and a half hours long if I remember correctly and it's a mashup between um, well mostly uh, I know you did last summer uh, which was ripped off by quite a few kind of Asian slasher movies like um, uh, Bloody the Record, I think the South Korean one, and there's a number of other ones who who kind of ripped ripped it off. But Kuch Dahai um, recreates all manner of scenes from the first two I Know What You Did Last Summer movies and specifically completely recreates uh, shot for shot the opening sequence for Urban Legends. Uh, apart from the the fact that the girl doesn't get a head 
chopped off but uh, managed to get away so if you uh, fancy seeing that and wonder how they got away with it and didn't get sued then uh, check that out on youtube or the facebook channels so um but you guys saw that didn't you yes hilarious mm-hmm. it is kind of shot for shot gonna... isn't it almost yeah, it's... very well it's not like cheapo version it's it's like um there's crane shots and everything in it yeah, mm. it's kind of, it's bizarre. I mean, they, yeah, quite how they got away with it, I don't know. But it's quite, If uh, I'd, I'd love to do one of the Bollywood movies on the podcast at some point in the future, but uh, it it does take it does test your patience if you're not a fan of uh, kind of Bollywood dance numbers because everything grinds to a halt every 20 minutes or so for a, a five-minute song and dance number. And then you can just fast forward through it or something. I guess so. But it was, I remember it quite good. There's a number of them. There's Shush, there was one, Kutch the High, Dun the Fog, uh, another of, a number of um, yeah, Bollywood slashers, uh, which are very, you know, because they're, they're quite high budgeted movies. Um, uh, and I remember Kutch the High, especially, was a, it was a lot of fun. So uh, I'd love to cover that at some point in the, on the podcast. But um, yeah, what was. I was going to ask, I don't, there's a sequel, so I'm assuming there's no after the credits, Nathan. No, but I mean, we were talking about feedback earlier, and I have some feedback to read. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, uh, So, this feedback says, hi, Hysteria continues, happy October. Love the show, fellas, always an enjoyable listen. It's a bit foggy, but I swear I recall that one of you, possibly Justin, had put together a horror movie soundtrack mix. Does memory serve? If so, is it still available? Sounds like the perfect backdrop to the Halloween season. And that's from Joe Shipe. I hope I got that right, Joe. Uh, you are quite right, Joe. I did it Saturday Night Cleaver, which I believe is on uh, iTunes. And it's episode, it was a bonus. We released it as a bonus episode, didn't we? Yes, um, we me, did. I, I remember that now. I shall look. I it, I'll look it up. It. If you kind of uh, Karen talking amongst yourselves, I'll let me look it up and I'll tell you which one it was. Well, okay. honestly, the whole um, after the credits. I mean, since there's a sequel, I just don't think there's much I could do with it, which is a shame because I would have loved to have done an after the credits and had you know uh, the killer go on to crazy stuff. But as we all know, the killer meets up with the killer from part two. Yeah. I would love to do an after the credits for part two, though. When we well, I don't know. It. There's a sequel to that one, isn't there? No, but I mean, it, there's a sequel, but it's totally different characters and everything. Mm. So we could do. I haven't the seen it. I've heard it's terrible, two. though. Part three is. Eh. Yeah, it's very straight to video. Yeah. Well, Justin's yeah. looking it up. Here's a, um, one of the things I used to like when DVD came out first because it was a bit of a novelty was to listen to alternate audio tracks uh, for foreign languages. So there's um, a German language track on the DVD I have. And so here's the cl- slight five second clip in English. Oh my God. Okay, so that's uh, Brenda going mad. And here she is in German going mad. So click, click is the um, German for ding, ding, apparently. Oh, <laughs> nice. Interesting. I just, I found it's uh, 44.5 episode now, and it's available on iTunes. So if you do uh, fancy listening to Saturday Night Cleaver, Blood on the Dance Floor, then uh, yes, the perfect backdrop to Halloween. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. And I recorded it even before that, so I think a lot of that was. I think you made that before the podcast. Yeah, I did. It's um, some a lot of it's from VHS to get that extra hiss. That uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so well. I I have podcast as I have podcast as well. I have feedback as well. Sorry. Okay. Um, one quick feedback here. It's from Remy. 
who I don't think we've heard from in a long time, have we? Oh, he, he, Robert Long. He commented on the the movie. All right. Okay. Um, he says, hello, gentlemen, listening to the podcasts on YouTube at work. Love it. A couple of comments about the various shows I've listened to. Sorry that most of you didn't like Phantom of Soho. I think that's all of us except for Justin. Uh, I enjoy Krimis, but this was uh, very slasher themed. You should try The Terrible People as it has some creative deaths. Uh, I watched The Victim based on Nathan watching it, and I have no idea what that ending meant. You four should start reviewing more recent direct-to-video slashers, as there are only so many vintage slashers and giallos. Yes, Joseph, I think Dead Hunt is the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, I didn't have a minor part in WNUF. Uh, I was one of the four leads. Lol, keep up the great work, and maybe join in your Patreon soon. And that's from Remy. What's MNUF? WNUF uh, Halloween special. It's a movie. Oh yeah, it's um, it, it's probably one of the best '80s recreations I've ever seen. All right, well, he's one of the four leads in that. Yeah, he plays a priest. Okay. Excellent. Well, good to hear from you, Remy, and uh, I need to check that movie out. I'll oh, watch it because it's, it's Halloween season, so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. None of you have seen this. No, no, I keep wow. meaning to, but I mean, I just, I don't know. My movie watching it's, is taking a back seat lately. It's like a faux documentary. Like it was filmed on, like it was filmed on VHS tape and aired on like PBS in the late eighties. It also, has that feel to it. it has like the retro eighties commercials and it's like right. a, a news broadcast, but it's, it's oh, so US, fun. It's the name of a TV station. Is this? Then? I, I believe. Yeah. It's like WNUF Halloween special. It's a lot of fun. It's it's very very well done, you know, as far as uh, looking like an '80s film. I mean, it, it the, the detail they went into this film is like incredible on the budget. Excellent. Well, we'll yeah. take a look out for that. But we know what it is now, don't we, Eric? We do. It's the moment none of us have been waiting for. It's my joke of the week. Why is there absolutely no point in trying to gun down the director of Urban Legend? Oh, because you'd just, be, you'd just be shooting blanks. I knew it. I, I could see that coming. I knew it. I'm so excited. Oh, you did. Oh. No, that awesomeness. <laughs> That's the that first time I think I've guessed your punchline. Jokes, That's that my is... best, you whores. <laughs> oh, Eric. He hates you. <laughs> Well, let's gloss over that, shall we? Um, so, <laughs> um, what are we covering next time? I believe it is Nathan's choice, isn't it, for the uh, next oh, podcast? God help us. God help no, us, yes. I think y'all will be okay with this one, because we have all taken a trip to Camp Arawak, but we've <gasps> yet to take a trip to Camp Rolling Hills, so we are going to cover Sleepaway Camp, part two, Unhappy Campers. <sighs> Yes. So, yes, well, join us next time on the Hysteria Continues. And I hope you enjoyed Urban Legend. And by the time this goes out, I can guess it would it be will it be Halloween? Well, for some people it will be. Yeah, it, it goes out. With, no, actually, I think this is a this is a yeah, it's a November pick. Sorry. OK, OK. Well, our Patreon uh, listeners will probably hear this before Halloween. So if you do, happy Halloween. And if you hear this afterwards, I hope you had a good Halloween and survived and ate lots of candy. So, um, Once yeah. again, skipped over Rob Zombie's Halloween for the second Halloween in a row. <laughs> I know, we just can't We're bring ourselves to do it. it. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we'll just keep skipping over it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and stamping on it. Um, anyway, so we, uh, yes, we'll be back next time and off to Camp Rolling Hills. So get your short shorts on and join us for around the campfire. So um, thank you for listening to Hysteria Continues. Uh, say goodbye. To, well, actually, what are we playing out with, Joseph? Well, I think it's obvious. Total yeah. Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Okay. Oh, I love uh, that song. Perfection. So, okay, well, thank you for listening and say goodbye to the good people. Bye. He's making that up. The only reason that he's doing this is so we'll talk and he'll have something to put at the end of the show to humiliate us. That and he probably went to get a drink. He's chilling. Him. <laughs> totally. See, Eric's like Linda from Halloween. Totally. Totally. A man named George comes home and gets into a lift and goes up and down a shaft and his shirt falls off. Yeah, his shirt falls off. Hey, what, what? Mummy. I'm back. <laughs>